Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. to excuse me may I have some more we are the food cast with an insatiable appetite my name is brad kramer my co-host is christine stribble hi christine hi brad i'm taking a break from my krispy kreme donut hope your day's going well i have a krispy kreme location about 15 minutes from me but i have not hit it yet and i have not tried the new oreo krispy kreme co-branding that you talked about in a recent article for Food Sighted. So we'll get to that in a second. Let me just tell the people what we have coming up because I do want to discuss that. Um, on this episode, we will have, um, it, I guess this will be a more, a lighter episode in tone, in subject matter. So hopefully we'll have some fun with it. Um, the One of the interviews we have coming up today is my recent conversation with Jeremy Ford. Jeremy... Um, is one of the three chefs who co-host the hit series Fast Foodies on True TV. He's also the season 13 winner of Top Chef. And a little later on, Christine will talk to Kel Mitchell, who is one of the hosts of Deliciousness and is also known for a certain generation as uh, one of the co-stars of the famous Keenan and Kel show on Nickelodeon. So we have those two interviews uh, Coming up, but before we get to that, tell me about the uh, Krispy Kreme Oreo marriage. Have you tried it yet, or will the one you're going to be treating yourself to after we talk be your your f- first foray? Well, I've tried one of two because there's two, mm. but each of them has uh, the, the the special part of this new collaboration, which is the first time that Krispy Kreme and Oreo have ever co-branded. Um, a special donut is that the glaze on it is Oreo flavored, so. Um, the, the, basically it's a regular Krispy Kreme donut that we all know and love. And then the special glaze on top, uh, for one of them. And then also a little bit of kind of like a cookies and cream filling. And then there's a bigger one with more stuff on it that has almost an entire Oreo cookie wafer across the center. Mm. So I've had, um, just the regular one with the little cookie crumble on it. And I will say that the glaze actually does taste like an Oreo cookie. It, it's really kind of freaky that it tastes like it. Um, might be a little addicting. Might want to go get another dozen before it goes away. Just saying. And have they rolled, it, rolled that out nationally at all their stores? Uh, yes. Uh, it all started yesterday and sh- it's going for a limited time. I don't think they have a specific end date yet, but uh, Maybe because like the one with the Oreo cookie on top is, is more like a dessert unless you just like a lot of sweetness with your coffee in the morning. 
Okay. And for those of us who don't drink coffee, a nice big glass of milk would do the trick. Yes. But, you know, unlike your Oreo, Oreo cookie, you're probably not dunking into your glass of milk with one of these. But it's a nice compliment. Yeah, I would think it would be a nice contrast, especially if it's um, if it's sweet. It is. I mean, it is pretty. I mean, with cream, you know, a Krispy Kreme donut is kind of sweet anyhow. Right. So, you know, this one add in the Oreo flavor and a, a creamy cookies and cream center too. You you got a little bit of sugar going on. So you recommend it? Well, I I always recommend donuts. That I I've never really met a bad donut. Now, see, I beg to differ on that one. As much as a Dunkin' Donuts donut can hit the spot occasionally, they have a shelf life of about the time it takes an ice cube to melt out in the sun. They do not stay fresh very long, whereas Krispy Kreme donuts, you can buy a box of Krispy Kreme glazed donuts, forget that you have them in the pantry, take them out two weeks later, and they're still fresh and still soft. Well, I, I, well one, I can't believe, who has donuts out Donuts last a day in my household. Yeah, no, so, you know, it's a little different, but um, no, I mean, yes. Are there always some donuts that are better than others? Of course there are. I mean, I had some voodoo donuts the other day that were quite tasty. And then, you know, there's another brand of gourmet donuts called Everglazed over at Disney that are gigantic. I mean, they're like eating a slice of cake. Um, but at the same time, it, it's like... You know, a, a, a piece of chocolate. Yes, there's some that are better than others, but do you really turn your nose up on something sweet? Okay, you win. Bye. And for those, are, for those of you who are listening and are unfamiliar with Voodoo Donuts, it is a um, baker out of Portland, Oregon that has achieved legendary status for their donuts. And I'm guessing since they do have a location at Universal City Walk in Orlando, and that's where Christine takes up residence the majority of her time, I'm assuming that's where you had it. That I, it is. I ran through Universal recently and, and had some of their treats during their Mardi Gras event and picked up uh, the specialty Mardi Gras donut, which was a Bananas Foster's uh, filling. That's quite good. It was. It, it was good. Um, a lot of times their specialty limited edition donuts are are pretty tasty and worthy of making a special trip if if you're over in that general area. Okay, so everybody who's listening who's who's getting ready and making plans to fly it back into Florida, to Orlando, to Universal, to Disney, you now have a couple uh, destinations for your donut dining in both parks or or Disney General, Universal General. So I mentioned that uh, we're going to play my Jeremy Ford interview shortly. We also tend to differ, disagree on the new show that he is co-hosting with Justin Sutherland and Kristen Kish. Um, Justin Sutherland was a competitor on Top Chef who I'm going to be interviewing in short order and hopefully Kristen too. Kristen's another Top Chef winner. Um, they're co-hosting Fast Foodies, which I love. You, not so much. Um, and what's interesting about that is you're in your conversation with, with Kel, which we'll get to also it, deliciousness is also a far lighter look at food and cooking than we are used to in food television. So I find it interesting that you're not a big fan of fast foodies. And I just am curious what about it that doesn't float your boat. 
I, I think it was maybe because they couldn't say the word Portillo's correctly. Maybe that's <laughs> what irks me. As, as the former Chicago girl, you should know how to say Portillo's. It's kind of like a rite of passage. Um, <laughs> not that difficult. But um, I, I think there's an interesting element to the show, but showing people that, you know, fast food at its core ha can have some value, can have some good flavor to it. But some of the ideas are just a little too far-fetched for me. And, and trust me, I live in a world where crazy food combinations, I, I want all of them on my plate. I want a super elevated, pretty dish with, you know, that was plated with some tweezers. But sometimes if I want that Portillo's hot dog, or God forbid, you really want that, you know, fast food hamburger, you want it because of what it is. You don't want some bastardization of something else. There's fun and whimsy and everything, but sometimes it's just like, oh, don't try so hard. Just, you know, it's the same premise of sometimes you want a really good beer, a really great beer, you know, a hearty, not that you drink bread, but like you want that perfectly hoppy IPA. And then other times, no, I'll open a can of old style while watching the Cubs game and it's okay. See, and I think that's what makes fast foodies so good. Aside from the general tone in the kitchen, most of the guests are comics or comic actors. So the levity is sort of baked into the, the show's recipe right off the bat. Um, but what I like is whether it's the cheesy gordita or a Portillo's hot dog or a Carl's Jr. burger, or whatever item is the item du jour that week, the three chefs, Kristen, Jeremy, and Justin, take the stab at recreating the actual item first before they go and reimagine it in their own vision. So we do get a, a taste, a visual taste of them approaching each of these fast food items as opposed to just deconstructing the original. So I like the fact that we see how they would make it first and then it's judged and that the real item and then uh, re deconstructing it and reimagining it in their own culinary vision. Second, I think it makes for great television. Well, I, I mean, there, I, I get it that, you know, they can grind a whole bunch of meat products and add seasoning to it and, and make a hot dog, but it's not the same hot dog. You know, there is, like I said, there's a time and a place for everything. I'm sure prop most likely their cheesy gordita will, does not hold a candle to what you get in a drive-thru. But at the same time, you know, there are going to be people who go, I only want the drive-thru. I only want that, you know, something wrapped in, you know, paper wrap and served in a brown paper bag and you'll never convince them otherwise. But, you know, that. If it can expand people's mind to what food can be, then by all means, turn it on and watch. I also think it opens and a food it expands upon a food watching audience. I think the the people that watch True TV and watch Impractical Jokers and shows like that, and then are catching fast foodies, are probably a different audience that are watching then are watching you know top chef chopped whatever and i think that's always a good thing plus it, there's levity there's humor there's uh, double entendres um there's drinking so you'd be right in home in that kitchen um 
So I think <laughs> they, they've expanded the audience and it's catching on. The reviews have been great. The audience is growing. It's, it's, they've built a pretty sizable audience. And if I were to read between the lines, because I did ask Jeremy this question, um, I, I think we will probably see a second season of it, which makes me really happy. Let's get to the interview that I did with one of the reasons for it. Um, one of the three co-hosts, Jeremy Ford. It is so good. Oh, my Lord. Between the foam, tomato, the crispy, and then the meat. That's tasty. The flavors are so diverse. It's like you know what you're doing. Literally tastes like a Chicago dog. Did I nail the Patrolo Chicago-style hot dog? It's Portillo's, but Portillo's. I've never been to Patrolo's. <laughs> God damn it. Is it a gas station? You guys as chefs, some more than others, um, take your craft very, very seriously. Yes. So that begs the question, what was your reaction to being approached to do fast foodies and whole concept and it being light and whimsical and, and being predicated upon fast food items? Oh, uh, so many emotions, actually. Um, you know, for me, you know, out of the three of us, I do... Um, I do a lot of fine dining, right? I mean, Kristen does a lot of fine dining and then you have Justin who's really just raw, awesome, you know, uh, whole hog, um, uh, barbecue and stuff like that. So for me, um, you know, I'm definitely the one who's a little bit more tweezered out. Um, but you know, when I first heard about it, I'm like, you know, how is this going to look, you know, as far as like my style and like branding and so on and so forth. But then I'm like, man, there's just something really comforting to know that everybody can relate to this show, right? right? Like, you know, everyone, it doesn't matter if you're poor, rich, uh, actor, you know, dishwasher, it doesn't matter what you do or who you are. Like, I think everyone has had some sort of relationship with like fast food, you know? So, um, you know, it, after I sat up for a couple of days, I thought about how fun it could be, especially with those two on the other end. Like I was like, no, I got to do this. And, and I think it's like, as chefs, I think once in a while we got to stop being so um, worried about what everyone else is going to think or like, you know, like, fuck it. It's, it's have a good time with it, man. You know, like if it's something you're passionate about and you obviously have seen the food we're doing, it's not, it's not super easy stuff. I mean, we're pulling off, like some of the dishes are like incredible quality so um it was a big challenge though as easy as it may look it was very very difficult i love the show i love sort of the dichotomy between the three amazing world-class chefs and you know the kfc mashed potatoes and the the one I, I something about that and then to add the levity and the humor and you guys being able to talk like you talk in the kitchen and the double entendres that you get from the chefs and from the comedians, that recipe, so to speak, has been phenomenal as far as I'm concerned. Um, one of the elements of that is the chemistry that exists between you, Kristen, and Justin. You can't fake that. You can't bullshit a viewing audience. Can, yeah. you, talk, can you talk about the working with the two of them and the chemistry that you guys clearly have? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, when we first arrived there together, um, we had never really done much together. We didn't have a history of, of years of fun at, you know, partying at events or cooking together. Um, so on paper, it might look like, wow, I mean, like, you know, it could kind of go either way, you know. Um, but uh, I'm a very, out, I'm like probably the easiest person to get along with. Um, and I always, I think what I bring to that trio 
is just these, it's just like a big smile and a hug, man. Like that's kind of like, and that can be kind of, you know, literal and um, physical, but, <laughs> but like, I'm just a guy, like a big teddy bear, man, when it comes to, um, you know, cooking and, 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 and being around new people that I don't know. Um, I'm super easy to get along with. So once I, once we sat there in like this awkward silence, um, because we, you know, this is all COVID going on, right? right. So we all have our mask on, we're all scared. And because of Justin's big, beautiful beard, um, he, <laughs> all you could see is like this mask would cover here, but his beard was like fraying out. <laughs> he looked like a madman. Yep. And, um, and literally, uh, I said, man, can I hug you guys? We all got COVID tested. We're all, we're all negative. I'm like, can I hug? Can, I, can we, can we hug this out? And he's like, it was like this big, like group hug. And I was like, you guys ready to fuck this shit up or what? And then that was the moment. I think we started on this journey together. We all had this, like, we got the awkwardness hug out of the way. And we said, we said, man, we're going to create something really fun here. And I think that from that moment on, it was nothing but laughing, um, you know, strategies, um, how do we make this fun? And how do we, you know, how do we have a blast? And then there is no, there was no script for that. No right. one gave us script saying, Oh, you know, what would be funny, Jeremy is if you acted like a complete retard and can't save <laughs> Portolos or Portolos, you know, uh, <laughs> still to this Portillos, day, yes. and, and Portillos, <laughs> um, like, like that you can't fake that. <laughs> right. So, so you broke the ice with the hug and the rest is history. Yeah. And then we just, we, we went on this journey and, and I think we really worked, worked well together. So based on the popularity, based on the chemistry, your first season, so to speak, was 10 episodes. Have you heard any voices whisper to you about a second season based on the success? Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's definitely whispers, nothing set in stone yet. Um, you know, anything that we can release, unfortunately, but, uh, I would love, I would love to do another season because, you know, if you think about it, I was wondering, I'm like, what, what would we do next? And then I just started thinking about all the other things that you could, that you could wrap this thing around Krispy Kreme. Yeah. I mean, like it, it, it could get crazy. Right. Absolutely. So, um, so I'm really hoping we get to a, to a second season. So when you did season 13 of Top Chef, you were being, your food and your cooking was being judged by professionals. You know, yeah, you had Tom and you had Emerald and you had Blaze and on fast foodies, you're being judged by comics and comics, right. are, comics, it's usually a gin and tonic, a cigarette and whatever fast food they can pick up on the way to the, <laughs> to the club. Is your reaction to what they say and their feedback about your dishes any different than it was when you were being judged by professionals? Uh, well, um some some of our uh, celebrity guests have our foodies, and you can tell Joel McHale. Joel, is a, right? Joel's a cook. Um, uh, who else? Fortune Feimster is really into food. So uh, th there was a couple that you. I mean, uh, some of the, the 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 comments that were said were were like, I was like, oh wow, this guy knows what he's talking about, right? You know, he's talking about the sear and the resting, and 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 then you got some guys who <laughs> you know who have no real clue about exactly like what they're uh judging as far as the fine dining side of it but good food is good food brad and, and i think no matter how you dice it who's judging you there's always going to be a dish that all four of us could say yeah that one's better right. you know and and i think um you know i take i take their criticism just as uh, as much as i would padma or tom i have to ask 
ironically or conveniently with Top Chef Portland premiering, um, looking back at winning season 13, I, I can't talk to you and not ask how your life has changed or been affected personally and professionally and or professionally since winning season 13. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, this opportunity that I have in front of me right now, um, who knows if I would have had it without top chef, you know, um, I think top chef really just gave, uh, all of us, um, since we're all, you know, we're competitors on there. I think it all gave us a platform and we all have chosen to do what we want with it. And uh, fortunately enough, that platform um, not only got me my first little restaurant, which I'm sitting in the office of now, but also, um, you know, has stricken uh, many other opportunities um, to travel and to see things I would have probably never seen without them. So um, forever, I'll be in debt to, uh, to them. So and the fact that you won season 13, you're hosting Fast Foodies. Amar is in the bubble in Portland simply serving as a member of the alumni judging panel. So you got the better end of that deal too. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I, I think this, this is much more up my alley, uh, than, than, uh, than anything else I could ever do on TV. I think this is the, the funnest and most, uh, close to home. And, and I think the reason this show does, uh, does so well. And I'm, and from what you're, you're saying, you also enjoy it. I think it's, I think it's just doing well. And the fact that, um, we all love it. Like, you know, there was times on, on, on other you know shows I've done where I was just like, I don't like being there doing that certain thing that certain day. There right. wasn't one day that I regret on uh, fast foodies. Every single day was a blast. Like when we had to take off for a, few, a couple of days, I was like sitting there like, I'm ready, man. Like, let's do this. Um, and, and I think that's, that's what creates good TV is when people are really, really interested in what the, what, what they're doing. Yeah, I, I what find what makes it engaging for me is as a food lover, I love seeing these three world class chefs who I am familiar with and I love what they do. But I also like the realism. I like the humor. You, to me, you can't have enough humor in a television show. And that combination when you cobble it together just makes for great television. So I, I think whoever conceived this idea, well, I actually I, I know the name, but um <laughs> it I just think it's perfect at the perfect time and just the, the right formula. I, I love it personally. And I know I'm not alone in that. Jeremy, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. I know you're busy, especially with a full house tonight. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. And uh, I hope, hope we get to do this again sometime. I would love that, Brad. And when you're in Miami, don't just come for the hash browns, all right? This the type of town I can spend a few days in Miami, the city that keeps the roof blazing. All right, so we're back, and we also have coming up uh, Christine's interview with Kel Mitchell. Um, for my daughter in her mid-20s, Kel will always be a part of Keenan and Kel, but like every other uh, child star from a certain generation, they grow up, and some achieve continuing success, and some disappear, and some wind up on TMZ. But in Kel's case, um, he hosts Deliciousness, and I have not seen the show yet. I've seen commercials for it. I, you know, obviously I've heard your interview with him. It basically strikes me as America's funniest home videos, but with food. Am I anywhere close? Um, oh, 
a little, it's from the creators of Ridiculousness. So if people are familiar with that MTV show, um, it, it takes that spin a little more than America's Funniest Home Videos. And uh, each episode was broken into various themes and the panel. So uh, joining Kel is Tiffany Thiessen and uh, Tim from uh, Basic to Bougie and Angela Kinsey from The Office. And it's, it, you know, why the videos are part of it, because everyone kind of looks at it and has that oh no, uh, I can't believe that it's happened or, oh God, I know someone who did that or what the heck were they thinking? There is the, the other aspect of it is the banter between the, the four, uh, the, the panel and how they bring a little bit of their background to the conversation, whether it's Kel talking about what his grandma used to make uh, you know, for the holidays and pies and things like that to Tim talking about how he didn't know how to put out a fire in a kitchen. Um, everyone has like a little bit of a different perspective on it. And it, it goes back and forth to, Hey, let's not take everything so seriously. Let's have a little fun. And it's okay to laugh at people when, when, uh, they do something pretty darn stupid. And from episode to episode, is there enough content that it, is it sustainable in your mind? Are you enjoying multiple episodes? Do you think it has a, a pretty decent shelf life as a TV show or will it, I mean, America's Funniest Home Videos must have lasted 77 years. Do you think this has some legs? Well, the, the, what they did was uh, the first season was at the holidays of last year and it was very holiday centric. So a lot of, you know, drop turkeys and, you know, Christmas dinner's gone awry. And then this second season, which premiered last month, was um, just a little more broad-based. Uh, everything from kitchen disasters to funny things with animals. And then they added a few other little elements to it where um, the, the panel kind of got into their likes and dislikes. With deliciousness, it's more... It, the sustainability factor, I, I think, could happen. They Their seasons are really short. They only last for about a week, and they do a whole bunch of episodes. And then they're right, rerun periodically on MTV. But if you look at the popularity of the company behind it, Ridiculousness, which is a very hard word to say, um, they, you know, that's been around for a really long time. There are tons of people out there that have these fails that, are all over the internet, whether it's, you know, YouTube videos or TikTok or what have you, people just sometimes want to laugh for the sake of laughing. And, you know, compiling them all together is a good half an hour of just, let's have some lighthearted fun. Right. I thought he was really engaging in your conversation too, which was, it's always nice to hear, yes, I know they're going through the, you know, the press junket and the, going through the motions of doing interview after interview after interview. And sometimes you can hear the disconnect where they're tired of doing so. But uh, much like your, even your interview with T-Pain recently, I thought that Cal uh, was engaging. It was interesting. He did a lot of giggling, which means you, you drew that out of him being the, uh, the comedic genius that you are. And I thought it was a fun interview. So let's take a listen. So I know we're here to talk about season two of Deliciousness. Did, um, did you think yeah. there was going to be a season two after, after the first one uh, came out? Uh, well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, because uh, we had so much fun. Uh, we knew that we were uh, doing something special, and I'm super excited that we're back for seconds. See what I did there? For seconds <laughs> for deliciousness. And um, I'm just happy. Like, we're a big family now. We had fun in the uh, first season, and, and now, you know, like, the cast is amazing. You know, Tim, Angela, and Tiffany, and the whole crew. And it's just like sitting on the couch and just laughing at all these funny, funny food blunders that are just super hilarious. <laughs> Well, it's one of those things. Most of us want to get off the couch, but you seem to want to get back on it um, and to kind of see everybody's little bit of silliness that they have um, going around with food. Did you have a lot of people come up to you after the first season and say, oh, I have this story I have to tell you, or, oh, I've got, you've got to see this video? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like now everyone's like, oh, I, they want to tape themselves. And I'm like, no, MTV handles that. You know, they, they look and find all these videos. So don't, don't send them to me. Don't send the videos to me. But, uh, but yeah, everyone's been getting into it. And then the other cool thing, too, is that a lot of people tell me they relate to some of the videos. They You know, they say, hey, I, I burned something in the stove that same way. Thank goodness no one was taping me, you know. <laughs> Well, I know like last, the, the first season, it, it kind of had a little bit of a holiday theme. But for this season, what will people expect with some of the videos? Is it a little more wide-reaching and just food yeah. craziness? Yeah, it, 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 we've taken it to a whole nother level now. So now you're, it's one video that was super funny this season where you're seeing animals now, animals stealing food, animals like uh, actually cooking food. It was a video of a monkey actually cooking food. And then there's a, a cool thing we're doing now, too, where people are, uh, well, basically it's the game that we play. So it's a cool little fun game, and you have to guess what is going to happen next. So, for instance, you know, I don't know if you've seen the craze uh, all on social now where people are making, like, cakes out of crazy things. So you'll see, like, an iPhone that looks like a cake. And so you have to, like, think of, like, is this an iPhone or is it a cake as the knife approaches it? And so, like, it's really fun, like, these, these fun games that we're playing. So it's food games, not more crazy videos. Uh, it, it's bananas. I'm surprised at how many food videos there are out here. It's <laughs> just amazing. Well, it, it, it seems a lot of people are obsessed with the food videos, especially, like, those cake ones. Why do you think that people are still so drawn to, you know, seeing what we're eating and, and experiencing that food that maybe just makes us either really happy and, and excited or scratching their head going, oh, my God, what are they thinking? <laughs> well, look, that, that's the thing. Like, food is such a, uh, a, a loving and fun thing to do with your family, and, and a lot of different families have their own very own recipes, and we all love food. It's just a, a, a fun moment, and I think it's like a nostalgia there uh, that you have where you're thinking about, oh, that's like my grandmother's pie. And so, or you go, that's absolutely like, not like my grandmother's pie. What are they thinking? So <laughs> that's why I think it's like so relatable uh, to watch this show, and it makes it so much fun because everybody eats. I don't think anybody doesn't eat, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> Well, let's hope we all eat, because otherwise we might have a, a problem with that. But it, right. one, one of the things that I kind of wondered, though, watching some of this, did 
did this show like ruin a food for you? Because there have been a couple of the videos where you go, oh, oh, honey, no, why did you do that? And like every time I go and look at, you know, I, I, my kids putting something strange on pizza, it's like, oh, no, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah, you'll definitely see that. Uh, it, it, people putting ranch on things and <laughs> they didn't put a ranch on. Uh, peanut butter on spaghetti. Uh, it's like a lot of funny stuff that I've seen where I'm like, oh, okay, no judgment, but I guess if that's what you like, that's what you like. <laughs> well, do you think that, that people maybe took any life lessons away from watching the show that may, I mean, granted, I'm not, everyone's going to do a blender full of crazy protein, um, ingredients, but do, do you think maybe it got people to be a little more open with what they choose to eat or, you know, just, you know, welcome the idea of food doesn't always have to be, you know, super simple? Yeah, you know, this show, the other thing that it does, uh, it's a great learning experience. You know what I mean? Like, don't put water over a grease fire. Like, <laughs> don't do it. You know, and then don't put certain things in blenders. Make sure the blender is all the way closed, you know. So uh, it's definitely a learning experience for people just starting out whether with cooking. <laughs> it, it'll definitely help. So, yeah, it, you'll learn and you'll laugh. <laughs> and, and I noticed I, I was able to see a couple clips from the what I think is the first episode or one of the episodes. And there was a whole segment about hot dogs. And since I know you're from Chicago... I, I I noticed you were a little silent when other people were talking about hot dog topics. You, I mean, you you mentioned you know you you like a more uh, more condiments on your on your hot dog, but I was kind of <laughs> curious. Why do you think people are very opinionated about hot dogs? You know, from city to city, they do that. You know, it's like having, like, a team. You know what I mean? Like, they they love their home team. Like, I love the Chicago-style dog because I'm from Chicago. It's just, you know, it, it reminds me of being a little kid in Chicago and the first time I had a Chicago dog with the poppy seeds and just the mustard and, you know what I mean, all that stuff. So, you know, I get it. I get it. You know, they're like, mine's better. And they do it with pizza, too. Like, you know, we can go to war over, like, Chicago-style pizza and New York pizza. <laughs> Well, and now, you know, in the past year, we've, we've all kind of adapted to new ways and, and you know, um, modified some of our experiences. But now it looks like this summer, it's potentially going to be the time where we can kind of get back out and have a little more fun outside of our house. So I'm curious yeah. if um, maybe you might be taking like a food road trip. And if so... What what are some of the things that you've been craving that maybe you can go out and get now? Oh, I can go. Well, you know what? Well, here's the cool thing about, like, delivery. You know what I mean? Like, during this time of uh, quarantine, uh, you know, you start eating kind of like the same foods. And then it was fun to, like, use these apps and just kind of go, you know what? Let me try this. Let me try this new Epinata's place, you know? And so it's a lot of stuff that we got sent to the house that we would normally uh, eat, and it was pretty pretty good. I'm a little curious, if you do watch sporting events, you know, what are some of your go-to snack foods that, that you have to have? Oh, yeah. Okay, so you, you got to have the wings. 
<laughs> the wings are definitely important. You know, get some good chicken wings and, and, and drumsticks. Uh, and you can, you know, do that any kind of way you want to do it. You know, barbecue style. You can fry it up. Uh, I think that's awesome. Um, and then what What else? Oh, also nachos are amazing, but uh, I'm not eating as many nachos as I used to, but I love nachos. Loaded nachos are always great while you watch watching sports. Um, popcorn is a go-to. You know, like you can do a good, like, uh, air popcorn where it's a little more healthier. So you can, like, do that. I love, I love popcorn. That's also uh, a staple when I'm watching sports. Uh, so, yeah. And then you got to have your veggie tray. You got to, because that'll just help out with all that protein. <laughs> uh, okay. So, so you brought up a really controversial thing with the veggie tray, because nor- normally that's like the, the plate that kind of sits there that no one wants to eat. So you're saying you really do need to have the, the, the little bit of healthy something? You got to. I mean, you, can, you know what? You can be different with it. Like you can make kale chips. Kale chips are really, really good. You know, if they're seasoned right, you can do that and put that next to the chips, and you, it's still crunchy, but it's that kale, you know, and you're getting some, you get, it's healthy for you. <laughs> well, I, I think that's a really good idea, you know, get get the little sneaky food. Do you do that with your with your kids? Do you try to sneak a little healthy something in, in, oh, in, in their meal? Definitely. You got to, you know, and, and you'll be surprised. Like, they're, they're taking you know, uh, testing out their taste buds at this age. So uh, it's definitely smart to, like, let them try everything. You know what I mean? And just see. You'll be surprised. <laughs> well, and, and I noticed, like, sometimes in, in a couple of the episodes, the kid portions kind of have everyone going, oh, that's cute, or, you know, uh, that kind of scenario. It, do you think, like, the, the kids can be, like, a good example for us adults to – maybe step outside of our comfort zone and not take ourselves as seriously when it comes to food? Oh, definitely, definitely. And, and it's funny, we have a lot of fun uh, kid videos. It's one where this uh, kid takes some bread, and it's like, I think it was like French bread or something like that, or garlic bread, and they just ate through the middle of it and created a, a full tunnel, <laughs> just eating through it. And then it's a kid where they had a lemon, and we had to guess whether they were going to like them or not. There was, this is one of the games, whether they were going to like the lemon or not like the lemon. And this one kid just licked the lemon and was like, oh, this is amazing. This is great. And just ate it like it was an apple. Which <laughs> is so funny. I, I commend that child. That That's pretty good. So so it sounds like the, the new season, season two, is going to be full of, like, lots of laughs and fun. Um what, what what would you leave everyone with about uh, making sure that they would turn, tune in and watch? Oh, yes. Tune in. It's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to laugh. Uh, it's going to be super relatable. Uh, and it's a lot of food. You know, we love food. So for the foodies, this is awesome. Uh, it's awesome for the whole family. You're going to get a workout on the couch because your stomach's going to be like, you're going to be cracking up so much. <laughs> well, that's good to know. I, I'll be laughing and still eating my chicken wings and maybe with a side of kettle chip, uh, uh, kale chips. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> well, thank you for your time today. I do appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to seeing season two. And hopefully there's a few more after that. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> thank you so much. Welcome to Good Burger, home of the Good Burger. Can I take your order? <laughs> this week is Master's Week in Augusta, Georgia. And they have a food item that they serve and I think it's still like 50 cents or some ridiculously low price, um, 
that has become part of the lore of the masters with all of its tradition through many, many years. And that is pimento cheese sandwiches. I have never had a pimento cheese sandwich. I have not been to the masters, even though I'm only two hour drive away. Um, I'm not anti pimento. I used to like getting the pimento in my green olives and, and still do, but have you had a pimento cheese sandwich? And what are your thoughts upon hearing that that is one of the, uh, the, the punch list items when people go to the masters? I I'm all for it. A good pimento cheese sandwich is awesome. It's got to have good thick bread and um, like a hearty pimento cheese. I know they, they, I think sometimes they do it at uh, Derby at the Kentucky Derby too. Um, it, you have to like kind of chunky cheese. Um, some of them are a little spicier than others. One of the great ways to enjoy it, and they used to have it um, on some different restaurant menus, is to do like a fried chicken sandwich with a pimento cheese spread as a condiment. Right. That's pretty yummy. Um, but heck, I mean, every sporting event has some kind of signature dish. Whether it's Kentucky Derby, the Masters, you know, strawberries and cream over at Wimbledon, yep. food and events, they all go hand in hand. And if you can find a dish that's 50 cents at a sporting event, you better load up on that because that's a steal. Now, I may be wrong on that, but I know that it's still, it's not something where they gouge, like you could potentially gouge at a... Um, at a sporting event, you know, whether it's the strawberries and cream or whatever, they could charge anything they want because people will do anything to get a master's pass. And oh, yeah. so the fact that they do not gouge, I have always found, okay, so I misspoke. I looked it up as we're talking. Um, they're still only $1.50. And they're served in an iconic green plastic wrapper. And they say they're more heavily spiced than most pimento cheese sandwiches. How to make a pimento cheese sandwich. Buy yourself some pimento cheese and some white bread. You take two slices of bread and you spread the correct amount of cheese, like so. Then you close and you're done. Congratulations. So it's part of masters it's that and it's sweet tea and what's interesting to me and somebody who just said that you you would be all for it the masters in april most of the time it's it's in the 80s already you're sitting out in a baking sun watching golf for four four to eight hours that strikes me as something that's really heavy and doesn't seem to jive with the weather and the conditions would that make any difference to you uh no probably not i mean it pimento cheese is like a southern tradition it's just one of those uh, dishes um that everyone kind of eats and it's you know for the most part it's cold so and you don't eat like a giant it's not like you're eating a hoagie of pimento cheese it's you know a small little sandwich and it's hearty and tasty and grab your sweet tea or your beer and walk on to the next six holes until you stop and have another refreshment. But then again, I'm not the person where weather dictates what I eat. So maybe I'm the wrong person to ask. Well, see, and I'm somebody who, who loves soup 365 days a year. So I'm with you on that one, but I having not had a pimento cheese sandwich, I didn't know if that would, Oh my God, it's 85 degrees today. And I'm sitting and baking in the sun. If that would preclude you from having it, having it. 
I mean, yeah, you could go to Augusta National. You could have an egg salad sandwich for a buck fifty, a pimento cheese sandwich for a buck fifty, your chicken biscuit in the morning for a buck fifty. It sounds like I need to get a master's ticket to go eat on the cheap. And for you, Christine. Yes. An imported beer is only, or a craft beer is only five bucks. See, that brings up a really good thing that I that I learned one time years ago when my kids first went to uh, a swim meet in West Palm Beach, Florida. That sometimes at a golf course, the beer is only a buck fifty, where the Gatorade is three dollars. So, what does the parent choose by watching their kids swim? The more cost-effective beverage. We'll leave people to ponder that for this week. Um, two great interviews. Jeremy was fun. I think uh, Kel was fun. Uh, it was a fun, lighter episode, and it's always fun talking to you, Christine. Um, that'll put the wraps on another episode of Excuse Me, Might Have Some More. My name is Brad. That is Christine. And uh, we will talk again soon, Christine. Bye, Brad. See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.